in a personal sense, you know, if I can be a little uh, self-centered on that one, I think it's going to be a good year. Yeah, well, I agree with you. I also feel good things are coming this year. All our hard work and diligent behavior is going to pay off. Yeah, absolutely. I think this podcast, Chinese Calendar Hour, is definitely going to take off this year. Yeah, I think this is probably one of our better attempts at a at forming a coherent podcast. Definitely. Okay, but now that's done. Yeah. So I guess I guess we should move on to our B-side podcast, Be Positive. Yeah, back in 2018, baby. Pra pra. I think we took a little bit of a longer break than we initially intended to. But that's fine. You know, we took a break, we collected our thoughts, we I needed to take a break personally just to uh, figure out exactly what I'm going to do this year. And like there's a yeah. big promotion coming up at work. And nice. that's a whole nother bag of snakes that I have to get into this week. But I am super focused. We're going to get the podcast done. I'm thinking of yeah, a few other things. Definitely. And yeah, Canis Radio, number one. Yeah, we're going to be consistent and, and high quality. The highest caliber of podcasting. <laughs> Um, so, for those of you who don't know us yet, I am Louis. Oh yes, I am Fraser. And this is Be Positive, the positive movie podcast. Yeah. Uh, welcome to 2018, folks. We're gonna kick this year off with a bang, with some private wars. Yeah, I mean, several bangs. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Several large, loud bangs. Several spinning backward kick bangs. So many spinning backward kicks. I want to ask you, actually, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. we should just get this out of the way. Ask me the things. Before we continue. As our resident martial arts expert. Yes. Are flying spinning kicks as effective and such a cornerstone of martial arts as, as they are depicted in this film? I'm going to have to say no. They do have their uses. They mm -hmm. are generally considered to be overly flashy, though. It, you wouldn't use that in a real fight. Uh, it's not going to be your number one, like with Private Wars. I would imagine that if I were to maybe not even perform, but attempt a spinning kick, mm -hmm. I would kind of just lose my footing and maybe fall over. Yeah, it is um, another big risk factor for doing a jumping spinning kick is that sometimes you land funny and you end up taking a bit of a tumble and also you're spending a lot of the time with your back turned to your opponent so they have a lot of time to move out of the way maybe stab you <laughs> you know or it's a yeah, easily shoot count you. shoot you you know just maybe even just you know <laughs> knock you over give you a bit of a gentle push yeah. it's a yeah. very easy technique to counter and it's very easy to dodge if you're feeling dodgy but it does look good. It looks good on camera, and that's what the that's what the '90s cared about: is what looks good while still being grungy. Yeah, absolutely. It it looks spectacular, and that's probably why every <laughs> single character in this film is constantly spinning like a top, breaking necks. Yeah, and surprisingly, though, day. surprisingly, the protagonist, our hero, doesn't do those. He's not a spinning back kick guy. He's much more direct, much more functional. I would describe it as like drunken master par excellence or method drunken master because he is actually drunk. Yeah, he, the whole time. he's literally drunk. Except for like the 10 minutes that he's sober in the film. But maybe we should get a quick synopsis done before we dive too deep yeah. into uh, Jack Manning's 
character arc. Yeah, let's let's get through it. So the movie opens, we follow Jack Manning, he's an undercover cop, although he should not be undercover at the time, he's doing a little bit of a in a little bit of extracurricular activity. Yeah, he's just trying to do his community service. Yeah, yeah, he's got a he's got some open hours on his timesheet. So yeah, he's not? doing some surveillance on some bad dudes, finds that his captain, uh, police captain, is in fact a bad dude himself. Uh, he then gets caught by the police, but for some reason he's just not very good at hiding. And he gets some coke planted on him, I believe. Yeah, yes. He, it's so, uh, no, 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 sorry. Yeah. I won't interrupt the synopsis. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. yes, he does get coke planted. Remember, you're of the dog, we're focused. <laughs> so he gets coke planted on him. Flash to eight years later, we don't know. Did he go to jail? Was he just fired? Did he just take the coke and leave? I don't know. I don't know. But who knows? Who knows? So we cut to eight years later. We uh, find a community in distress. Some thugs are beating down on the locals, murdering them. Mo, what's that dude's name? Mo Williams? Mo Winston? Yeah. Mo W or something? Mm, I think Williams. It's not Mo Punches, though. I know that. Uh, no. Mo contacts Jack Manning, Private Eye, uh, as he believes Jack's the only one that can help them deal with their thug situation. So they go to see Jack. He's a crazy-ass alky. He's shooting rats in his office. I don't know. Why is that such a stereotype that private investigators are alcoholics? Does it make them look grizzled? I guess. Yeah, I think it's it's a noir thing where it's kind of a, a way to make the character more flawed and to kind of, you know, play with their perspective, in a sense. Mm. So they don't always have a straight-on view of the world. Yeah. Well, Jack, Jack does like Jack Daniels. He eventually takes the job. He goes in, cleans up some bikers, beats up some other thugs, and we find out, oh, look, it's a corporate plot. Uh, yeah. The, the community then organizes, but they are pitted against our man, Mr. Winters. What's his name? Something Winters, something like... Some Alex Alexander? Alexander Winters. Uh, I wanted to say it sounded something like winner. Yeah, and it's, uh, yeah, it's quite telling. You know, Alexander the Conqueror, yeah. Winters, the death, you know. Very yeah. spot-on <laughs> yeah. uh, nomenclature. Yeah, classic 90s working-class hero versus corporate titan story. Bing, bang, boom. Uh, final martial arts showdown. All the bad guys die, and uh, the black friend also dies, as was common. Yeah, I was I was really sad about Mo. But I mean, Mo, such a great character, but ends up being a stereotype. They stereotype the shit out of that character. Shit, we're gonna have to get into that. Mm. Classic ninety stereotypes. You might think it's progressive, casting a black dude and having him be like the strong figure. But he just ends up being the fucking wise. Yeah, the friendly, friendly old black man advice. Yeah, yeah. He does end up being a martyr. And that's really unfortunate. I liked him. Uh, I did not want him to die from actually a pretty good fight scene. Which, yeah, let's. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting too distracted. Let's start at a point. So let's let's talk about, I think, the world we're inhabiting in this film. Yes. So it's a world that I feel is like an exaggeration of our own in the sense that, for example, when Jack catches the police chief 
getting a bribe from uh, the Winters Corporation. What happens? The cops kind of bust him. They spot him. Yeah, yeah. They spot him. They spot him. And then they chase him. So they immediately like, oh, that fucker. And they start shooting. So he has to get the hell out of Dodge. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to talk about is this, that the cops just immediately open fire the moment they have a suspect in sight. They don't wait to see anything. They don't try to figure anything out. They're just like a firing squad lined up. And if you Um, pay attention to uh, modern U.S. media, you would feel like cops are just just that way in the U.S. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, there's them planting coke in his car that they literally just blew up. Yeah, this perfect perfect bag of coke with the, like, duct tape in an x over the bag and they're like, oh look what we found in his car and i'm like no no that was on fire this is police misconduct someone should file a civil suit someone should be reported but of course in this world there is no recourse to a higher authority no. when the police are corrupt no because if one policeman is corrupt it means they're all corrupt except for jack manning there's <laughs> There's a wonderful line when they're arresting Jack or, like, escorting him away when one of the thug cops say, you should have gone on the take like the rest of us. Yeah. Wow, all of them? Yeah. Every single one? But yes, every single one. Every single cop. And it's quite quite telling that um, the cops are united except for Jack Manning. And it's interesting that even though the cops are corrupt... They still have a sense of community. They do, and that's that's a, a theme that goes goes throughout this film: the the importance of community. Yeah, and being willing to fight for your way of life. They actually have a scene in the church where Mo is trying to rally the townspeople, and he's telling them that we have to fight for our way of life. We we built this way of life. It's being threatened by this external force, mm. and it's important. And that's what a, my question is. Why is it important for that specific way of life to be maintained, to be protected? What, it, what makes it special other than the people that live it, that grew up in it? That's an interesting question. I think it's, it's kind of a classic dynamic between the close-knit community where everyone helps everyone out and on the other side, the corporate gentrification where everyone is just living in their own little identical apartment. No one speaks to anyone. No one knows anyone. Yeah, like my my building. Yeah, like, I mean, I've, I've lived in that kind of situation. I don't think I've ever been part of a close-knit community. Yeah, I think in uh, South Africa, uh, if you're growing up middle class in South Africa, te- you tend not to have any contact or interaction with your neighbors. There isn't any sense of community because... Yeah, you're in your little house. You have to be protecting your stuff. Yeah, we definitely have kind of an isolationist bent in our our little suburban utopias Mm. that we don't we don't want to let the poors in to steal our stuff. We don't want the rich either. We're just here. We're just doing our thing. Yeah, just leave us the fuck alone. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I think you know the character that best answers your question is. Ben the handsome grocer. Uh, yeah, uh, from Ben's I, grocery. Exactly. At first, I thought Ben was going to be the protagonist of the film. It was the muscles, uh, right? Because I went kind of blind. 
It was exactly. It was the muscles, and it was the perfectly feathered hair, mm-hmm. and the very, very sharp jawline. Yeah, and I yeah. thought, oh, here's our hero. Classic pretty boy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but the film really neatly subverts that, because after he chases out some toughs uh, from his grocery... Well, or... Mo chases them out. He's just being sassy. Oh, uh, that's true. Mo, Mo comes in with the shotgun mm. and fo- and forces one of the gang members to eat a really hot chili. Or like half of a hot chili. It's not yeah. that bad. Just take a bite. Just take one bite from a hot pepper. I would I would do that. Yeah, me too. I wouldn't even be like, yeah, fuck, man. I just, I'm about to blow I mean, you oh, up. Oh, thanks. A, a free hot pepper. Yeah. Thank you. I love that. And then he's complaining about like, oh, this will destroy my stomach, man. And I'm like, dude, do you have like a, an ulcer? You shouldn't be out running around, you know, hustling people if Seriously. you have an ulcer. Also, if you're a hip-hop street tough crossed with... I don't really know what, what their outfit signifies them as. They're kind of... They're white, they're, but they're, they're wearing kind of leathers and berets. They're trying to emulate the style of the golden age of rap. Yeah. Anyway, and they, they uh, get chased out of Ben's grocery, but that evening they decide to take revenge by... Uh, blowing it up yeah. with a grenade launcher and killing Ben in mm. the process. Yeah. And then later, as we learn more about Ben, we we really get the idea that he was a cornerstone of the community. He was always helping people out, you know, helping with construction when yeah. people's homes were destroyed or giving people free groceries when they're struggling. And I think that's kind of the thing that especially Ben's sister, our third protagonist, I guess. What's her name again? I didn't actually it's catch like her name. I, ca- I only catch names in movies when they're repeated more than once. And she was never really named. She's just in every scene. So from start to finish, we just never have an yeah. opportunity to name her. I think her name is Bobby. Bobby? Yeah, I was also a little disappointed in her characterization. Where at first it seems like she's, you know, a, a protagonist in the real sense. Yeah. I.e. moving the plot forward, making decisions, taking action. Showing growth. Yeah. And then in the end, she's kind of just written in as, as a love interest for Jack. Yeah. And the, which I don't think was necessary. Yeah. She could have just continued being her character. The love, the romance aspect of this film was completely unnecessary. You know, the, the fact that... Every time that in the 90s we had a strong female character who with the potential to be a protagonist and to show growth, it, they would cap it right there. What you saw at the beginning is all you're getting. The rest is going to be mm-hmm. romantic development to highlight the protagonist's uh, sensitive side to make him more human. I don't know, likable. And that's silly because Jack is already immensely likable. Yeah. Just the way he is. Yeah, especially... Man, this dude can act. He was the most convincingly hungover person I've seen since the last time I looked yeah. in the mirror after a night of drinking. Um, he's so good at slurring. Yeah, oh um, my God. Like, drunk speak. I think he was legitimately drunk. I wonder if he if he method acted that one. I would have. Yeah, but, I mean, that's why you're not a professional actor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's exactly why <laughs> I choose to perform via audio. Because you can't tell if I'm drunk. <laughs> I, I think we, we probably would be able to tell. Yeah. Are you drunk right now? I am not drunk right now. I wish, though. Okay. It would have been nice. Zolo. 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 Zolo.
So at first, Jack is not keen uh, when Mo convinces him to go out and to help the help the community as he's the only one who can do it. And I was very doubtful of Jack. I was like, this dude, nah, nah, this dude can't do shit. He's drunk. You know, he's on the on the on the wrong side of forty. Yeah, least. yeah, and he's also on the wrong end of too many bottles of Jack Daniels and Jim Beam. This dude is not healthy. Later on, we find out it's not the case. Uh, his fighting style does match a low-energy individual as as himself, where yeah. all the other martial arts we see is flashy, it's athletic, it's jumping, spinning, flipping. It's stupid. Where his martial art, you don't have to be fit to do that. You just have to be quick. And his he's still, yeah. he's still very quick. Actually, what I could tell from his martial art that is mainly joint manipulations and uh, interception mm-hmm. strikes. His actual attacks aren't that major. He's more doing throws and uh, like wrist locks and shit. Yeah. So that would be more hop And throw-ups. Yeah, and throw-ups. He uses, he uses every part of his body. Even his, <laughs> his fucking vomit. His he uses, vomitus. <laughs> his vomitus excretions. He uses those as a weapon, as a distraction. You know, he, he's a... Yeah. Fight smart, not hard, basically. Yeah. And that's genius because last time when someone tried to start a, a, a bar fight with me, mm. I threw up on them and they just left me alone. Right. It works. And it really does. Another thing you can do is just pull your dick out and just, you know. Oh, yeah. And just start like, just start beating that shit. And then he's <laughs> like, oh, boy, I'm not into this. Uh, what was that safe <laughs> word again? Uh, <laughs> so... I think that's something that the film pulled off really well is making Jack a, if not believable, but convincing uh, action hero. Yeah. In a sense. The final confrontation where he's fighting Obata, the Mr. Winters, his uh, henchman, sort of Obata is, is the... His, yeah, he's the... Kind of his, uh, his number two guy. Yeah, yeah. He, you can clearly see he's... You know, he's some sort of badass. He's the, you know, the sharpest stick in Winters' drawer. And uh, he's going to be, they're building him up. He's going to be epic. No one can beat him. He's this crazy dude. You know, he's got the Asian look about him. You know that Asian people are better than white people at martial arts because movies. And by the way, like only one Asian guy does martial arts in this movie. And I feel that's sort of a little bit odd. Uh seeing as how the yeah seemingly everyone in New York knows knows uh taekwondo Every- <laughs> they all yeah everyone's and just a spin kick and master yeah, i don't know um, um he's also styling as hell my hell uh, i was the long hair the silk shirt the leather trench coat damn obata had me like the whole 90s aesthetic i realized while watching this film was amazing I miss that shit. I yeah. like the 90s. Absolutely. Because, unfortunately, I'm a 90s kid. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. 
my my age is showing but when jack finally confronts obata he gets his ass handed to him handily like yeah. he's no match for that dude and that's something that i've always it bothers me when i'm watching a martial arts film is when you know the protagonist is clearly not as good as the main henchman or the top dog bad guy or whatever and he ends up winning anyway by some fluke now yeah maybe one or two movies that's okay it's not a- annoying but it can't happen every time mm-hmm. jack gets his ass kicked he's no match for obata and uh he gets saved by uh who bobby ben yeah. ben's the actress's sister. name is holly floria holly floria i felt that she did a good job the scenes that they uh that she was given uh, she did pretty well yeah. The dramatic scene, she does that well. So, you know, good job to her. Her character, as far as I'm concerned, was not named. Uh, I also only realized that uh, Mr. Winters was called Mr. Winters at the end. Uh, I was calling him (laughs) Mr. Winning for some reason. Mr. Winning. Yeah. That's also good. As our literal corporate Satan. Yeah, so so she saves the day at the end by, by just shooting him. Just yeah. shooting him full of holes. Just doing what should have been done right at the beginning. Just shoot him. Yeah. No need for spin But of kicks. course they had to have this scene where they where they lock eyes and then toss their weapons aside. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Let's settle this like man. <laughs> Stupidly. Yeah. Put up your mitts, boy. We're going to fight. <laughs> God. That's so crazy. People are always used to ask me, what's the point of learning a martial art? Is it going to make me, you know, can I defend myself against maybe a gun? And I used to tell them, no, no, you can't. Gun wins every time. Like, yeah. Do you think you'd be able to convince a gunman to drop his weapons by kind of using that? Oh, you're not a real man. Let's let's do this like big tough guys. Uh, No, because... The, the problem with that is that I am already very big and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like if I try to convince someone who is probably going to be my size or like a little bit smaller who ha- is armed with a firearm and is intending to injure me, they're not going to want to be in a physical confrontation with me. As soon as I offer them that alternative, they're going to be like, I don't feel like it. Maybe I'm going to shoot you a little, you know. Yeah. So I don't think I yeah. personally would be able to convince someone to uh, settle this like men. I think I might. Yeah. Because um, I'm, I'm, you know, I could fit in your pocket. Yeah, you I'm could fit in my pocket. pocket. I'm pretty sure so, someone listening might do a little bit of a fan drawing of you in my yeah. pocket. <laughs> <laughs> but then the problem, of course, is that I, w- I wouldn't really know what to do when it actually came to the, to the punching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kick him in the balls, man. Kick him yeah. in the balls. It's very easy. Could I could I do a spinning spinning flying kick to the balls? You could, but your chances of missing the balls are maybe a hundred percent higher. As soon as you <laughs> as soon as you take off. With all these kicks, as soon as you're in the air, you're fully committed. Your chances of fucking up are like two hundred percent more than they used to be. <laughs> Stay on the ground. You can't control yourself in there. We can't fly. We're all apes. No wings. But um, anyway, so there's this one scene where the community starts auditioning killers and tough guys to take Jack's place when he refuses to be their guardian. Yeah. And they start off, the, this dude comes in, he's walking in, he salutes them, he, he looks all guy. funky, he's got his aviators on, he sits down, and 
I shit you not, this dude looks like uh, he was about to commit the Columbine killing. He's like dressed in the leather trench coat. Yeah. He's got the glasses and he looks scrawny and weird. And then he starts going into how he's a serial killer and he just wants to kill something. And if they'll just give him the opportunity to kill something, he'll kill something for them. And then he goes into this anecdote of his parents giving him a cat when he was younger. And then he stops it short. But you know what's happening because that's part of the McDonald's you triad. You know what he did. The motherfucker is serial killer. That's probably like, I don't know, Jeffrey Dahmer? Who was, who was killing in the 90s? Uh, In the 90s? Oh, Lord. Um, I don't know. Hmm. Who cares? It's Ni- the 90s were, were like prime time for cults. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The internet. The dawn of the internet. Waco, Waco happened in the 90s, I think. I don't know. Uh, or, or the Oklahoma City bombing. For more on this, check out our podcast on cults that may or may not ever happen. Check out our potential podcast. <laughs> yeah, check it out um, now. So, yeah, I really, I really like that kind of thematically as well the community you know it takes it takes a bit of dialogue to to get the community convinced to hire a a strong man to protect them yeah but when they do i think you know they go into it with a really militaristic zeal that i find quite appealing yeah and this brings me to what i really want to talk about about this movie the 90s was a special time where corporations were still viewed as bad yeah these blind goliaths stepping on the working class and basically this whole film can be seen as a metaphor for class struggle because yeah absolutely this community is being driven out by by a capitalist they order or they hire a working class guy basically a fucking bum like this dude is an alcoholic yeah he is degenerate he is dirty he is just he's just he's just human waste they hire him. He betters himself in order to protect the community, and he militarizes the community. He radicalizes the community yeah. again. They're against their uh, capitalist oppressors. So this movie is actually, to me, it's very, 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 very communist. Communist movie. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. The like showdown between the townsfolk, or not the towns, but the the neighborhood. The community and the toughs when um, Alexander Winters he, he he finally snaps because none of his other tactics are working and he just sends in his goon squad to kill everyone with their favorite um, grenade and that, launcher and that gave me the sense of like to the barricades of sort of Paris commune uh, sort of vibe with with the whole neighborhood banding together to to protect what's theirs and there's also the montage i mean of course there needs to be a montage but the montage in this film is of mo and jack arming the civilians and training them and all that stuff yeah so, and also mo uh no no uh, also jack cleaning up his <laughs> his sobriety <laughs> issue <laughs> Yeah, he goes for like a five-minute jog. It's just to um, sweat out all the booze, man. It's just to get that out of a system clear as air. Just detoxify. <laughs> yeah, man. fuck. Ooh. Running while hungover is the worst exercise. But what's pretty strange is that Jack sobers up, but he doesn't ever seem less drunk. Yeah, he's still a chaotic individual. 
You know, he's... Uh, chaotic good. Yeah, so he's chaotic good. He's not going to be what you expect. He's going to do something unexpected, mm. but you know, you know he can get the job done. I personally think that maybe his character, before becoming a cop, he had some sort of um, military training. The type of fighting style he uses with less flash, it's much more functional. It's much more of a military type thing. Or I do know that in Korea, for example, the police are trained in both traditional Taekwondo and Hapkido. Hapkido being more joint manipulation, takedowns, that sort of thing. And that's more to control. Uh, where traditional Taekwondo, yeah. it's special forces training. So it's basically wh- who can you kill? I feel more cops should have the non-lethal training uh, that Jack does. He's very yeah. good at subduing um, subduing uh, perps. And winning their respect, as we see in the jailhouse scene. Yep, with Eddie and Falco. <laughs> Eddie Falco! Come on, guys. <laughs> Double dragons. He meets them, he kicks their asses, and then they become his disciples. It's a really weird jail because... It seems like they're also running a little fight tournament. Yeah, it's very odd. And of course, all these like washed up low lives all know the spectacular martial arts. I really like Eddie and Falco they're because great. the moment uh, the moment Jack is done beating the snot out of them, they come over. They're just like, "Hey, man, you want a cigarette? Jeez, that was amazing. Teach me how you do that other thing." Yeah, they literally Um, say, could you show us that front kick again? Where a front kick is literally just stomping someone in front of you with your foot. Just lifting your foot up and stomping them. And I'm like, dude knows how to do a spinning reverse roundhouse, but he doesn't know how to do a front kick? That's quite odd because it's the first thing I would teach you if I were teaching you martial arts. But again, in this universe... You don't need... Once you have flying spin kick... Yeah, that's basically... You don't need need. anything else. You're a master. You just spam flying spin (laughs) kick. You can get through the whole thing. This movie is kind of like that person uh, playing a a fighting arcade game who knows one combo and just fucking... Those buttons. (laughs) Just keep going. Spinning fly kick. I kicked your ass. This episode proudly sponsored by the 90s Kid Club. Feeling nostalgic about baggy clothes, grungy tunes, and overt masculinity? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you may qualify for a membership. Were you born in any of the following years? 1990, 1991, 1992, 93, 94, and fuck 95. If you were born in 95, you do not qualify because you have no living memory of the 90s. The 90s Kid Club. Annoy all your friends. To continue our discussion on kind of the people versus corporations theme, at first it seems like the main antagonists in the film are the gangsters who prowl the streets and, I don't know, they just kind of basically cause completely wanton destruction they just destroy whatever gets in front of them yeah they just rob whoever but then later of course we learn that these toughs have been on winters's payroll the whole time and that really for me expresses you know the relationship between capitalism and gangsterism where gangsterism is essentially the same as capitalism just on 
on the other side of what is considered lawful. Yeah. They're also run like organizations. They're also run for profit. And they also work by and through exploitation. Yeah. And they have um, a hierarchy similar to a corporation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and so I, th- I thought that was a really nice touch of the film to not show those two things as disparate or unrelated problems, but mm-hmm. as part of the same kind of social complex that undermines this working class neighborhood. Yeah, in, in their response to this problem, this dual, uh, this two-headed snake of gangsterism and corporatism trying to buy up all their land and put up this huge development. In, you know, as part of their training montage, they're also cleaning up the, the streets. They're also like taking care of their community again. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the productive response to, to the problems they've been facing. Mm-hmm. Becoming radicalized and uh, wanting to fight back with violent means, that's one thing. But at the same time, you're going to have to take care of your community. You're going to have to have a sense of community and a sense of public responsibility. Because, I mean, everything has been cut off from that place. They don't have have postal service. They don't have uh, garbage service. They've got nothing. Garbage collection, yeah. It's all gone. And then... They have to take that into their own hands because at first uh, they're just complaining about it. They're just suffering, uh, not doing anything, not not trying anything. Or moving out, you know, like kind of or uh, moving white out. flight, suburban flight. Yeah, yeah. They're they're just sort of tolerating and suffering in silence. Well, not in silence because they're bitching about it. But what happens when Jack comes in is he shows them that there's another way. We can take control of yeah. the situation this is your community. You need to claim this community, claim the streets. If you're out cleaning the streets, people can't yeah. be out causing shit because you're there. And that's also where Mo and Holly Floria are really important because even though Jack is the one to you know, physically train them and to physically do most of the beatdowns, mm-hmm. it's, it's Mo and Holly that convince Jack to take part in the first place that give him something to believe in yeah. and also convincing the rest of the community that uh, the bond that they share is worth fighting for. Yeah, well, they are essentially the leaders of this movement where Jack is just brought in. I, I really love Mo. Yeah, Mo, Mo is great, man. I felt so shitty when Every he time died. we have a Mo in a movie, classic he's just, Mo. he's just the best. Yeah. Classic Mo. Uh, this Mo cannot punch for shit, though. But he does have a shotgun. He does have a shotgun, so I I I feel like we can classify Mo from the stuff as Mo punches, and this Mo yeah. as shoddy Mo. Shoddy Mo. Shoddy Mo. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I was I was really disappointed when they when they killed him. So I actually want to talk about uh, the martial arts that they use uh, during his basically his execution scene uh, when yeah. he gets confronted by the two ninja guys. I don't know the two Af- yeah, African American gangster guys, African American ninjas. Yeah, I don't know. This whole movie, the casting is weird. They were just like, "Hey, you, dude, do you know spinning back kick?" Yeah, I do. All right, you're hired. Come on, you're in the movie. Do you look good in leather? Who doesn't? Cows. Ugh. But anyway, so this scene. Yeah, I guess these two guys are kind of called in as the the specialist hit squad. Like, yeah, well, they've got katanas. They're, they're almost. They've got Kukri. Kukri, are those the little scythe 
I, I believe so. Don't quote me on that one. Uh, we might do a, have to do our very first corrections corner on that one, but I'm pretty sure it's Kukri, yeah. Uh, so the way that they execute him, right, is that they beat him down, he falls to his knees. He's sort of like hunched over, head forward. Then, okay, it does take place within a spinny jump kick, but the no actual voice. kick that the, I can't remember which one because they also just die, uh, that one of these two ninja dudes, the actual kick he uses onto the back of Moe's neck is called an axe kick. Axe kick being mm-hmm. mainly used traditionally as a form of execution to snap the neck wow, really? of, uh, of a person in, in that position on the knees, hunched over. Wow. Yep. Martial arts. Um, it's fun. That's very intense. <laughs> so they used the accurate accurate technique for his execution which I I always appreciate when you've got accurate technique displayed on film and it just sucks that it had to happen to Mo. Yeah, I I guess at that point I was a little disappointed because it feels like they're using his death as a mo- I mean he literally does come back to life for a couple of seconds to say don't let them take it. Yeah. Um and then he dies. And I've, if they needed to get Mo out of the action, they could have, you know, just put him in the hospital, gotten him arrested on trumped up charges by the corrupt cops or something like that. But I've, it, it kind of cheapened his character to me to, to just basically kill him to give Jack extra motivation. Yeah, it is. And also he gets killed right outside of Jack's apartment. He literally does. And it it's intercut with the scene of... Jack and uh, Holly Floria and Holly Floria, their I think Bobby, their uh, sex scene. It's intercut with with Moe's death, and that annoyed me because it's cheapening Moe's character. It's cheapening Holly Floria's her character as well because yeah. it's an unnecessary scene where do, it doesn't even come from anywhere. It's not established before that you know Jack's gonna. Why is he even in her bedroom? He gets out of jail, he goes straight to her bedroom, and then she's just happy to see him. Were they sleeping together? No. Were they romantically involved at all? Did they have any dialogue following the section where they were fucking, where they hated each other? No. It's just, it just didn't logically make sense. So my biggest criticism would be the forced romantic plot in this movie. Man, it just goes to show that even the most well-intentioned films can be victims of their time. Yeah. In a sense, like, the film has this really progressive stance or at least progressive ideals but it you know it falls short i think probably the filmmakers were blind to those problems when they made it yeah it's classic because it's just so culturally saturated yeah it's it's the classical thing that you see also with someone like uh, dario argento where you know he says that he doesn't hate women but then the way that he portrays women is a very very hateful angle yeah and the way he deals with them so it's sort of like society the societal norms just breed the sort of awfulness i also read another thing where uh i think it was on vice people are now millennials are now watching friends and they're realizing how problematic friends was because it was essentially the 90s the 90s was a very problematic time but it was peaceful there wasn't as much shit and now we're getting to a time where it it's very much in vogue to stand up for the injustices, to like to fight the injustice of society. Yeah. Where in the nineties, 
just shut the fuck up. Just don't talk about it. Everything's okay. Yeah, we can joke about it. We can we joke. Can, we're like, okay. Man, Friends is so homophobic. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's a different time, and it is definitely an artifact of its time. I feel like Private Wars, it's not an amazing movie. It's not going to change your life, but it is no. classic 90s action directed TV B movie, pure amazingness. This is this is what I grew up on. Yeah, like you said, it's not Citizen Kane or The Godfather Part Two, but the acting is actually good. Yeah, or at least serviceable. Perfectly yeah. fine acting. It's believable. Uh, and the action is a lot of fun. You know what? This movie was made to be fun. It was made to inspire a, a sense of community in uh, urban areas, and mm. it's just again, it's what America used to be, uh, at least in, in their media, was you as a solitary citizen have power and, you know, ain't nobody going to push you around if you take a stand. Where yeah. now it's become this thing of if you have money, you have power, which is the reality of things. But back in the day, mm. back in that time, the capacity for the individual or the community to stand up for themselves was yeah. that much bigger. You know, it was more important thematically I, I feel like it crosses time in a sense because uh, maybe this is just because of my perspective but from what i can remember gentrification has really only been a, like a really hot button topic you know from the from the late 2000s mm-hmm. especially i guess with the with the rise of hipster culture or yeah. whatever you might call it so this this film actually manages to be quite timely in its in its exploration of gentrification. Yeah, it is true. And gentrification is it's not inherently a bad thing. You know, the fact that it is displacing the communities, it's not it's not, you know, renovating the town and servicing the community. It's taking that aesthetic of yeah. their life removing them the only real part of the aesthetic and then making that this fucking franchise kind of like chic and yeah expensive yeah and that's basically what hip uh, hipsterism did and that's we're now moving beyond that gladly i don't know what's next hopefully it's something less awful than the uh, fetishization of of the working class uh but we'll see well, I gotta say, the '90s are back in a big way. Oh yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. We might see Kurt Cobain make a return tour as a hologram. Oh yeah, I mean, I guess they could do that. Why does a, a discussion about the '90s always end up in a discussion about hipsterism? I think, mm, I think because yeah, the '90s kid aesthetic is is quite tied to to hipsterism yeah since since we're mostly millennials yeah i think that's what i have to say about private war why do you think it's called private wars government's not involved at all the police have been paid to stay out of it uh it's a Mm. corporation that's uh they're buying soldiers essentially mercenaries and it's a community fighting those mercenaries so this war is a private matter the community is paying for it's, their instruction, their their private yeah. alcoholic junkie badass guy, and a corporation is paying for their private army. So it is literally beyond. It's it's civil. almost you could almost say privatization war. Yeah, 
Because you you know Ben's grocery is going to be replaced by like I don't know what they have Walmart or something. Uh, whole Whole Foods. Whole Foods. Hey, gentrification. Trader Joe's. Essentially, it comes down to the people versus gentrification. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I'm I'm happy with this film. Yeah, it was a good one. I was actually when we uh, when we picked it, I was a little bit skeptical. Yeah, I was a little scared too. To do this as the first one of 2018, but. Yeah. Okay, if you had to rate this film, how many spinning back kicks to the <laughs> face would you give it? Hmm. As someone who's taken many spinning back kicks to the face, uh, and also someone who's watched this movie, I will give it one and a half spinning back kicks. Okay, so the half, you're just you're essentially just turning around. No, no the half, I'm just dodging. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's something they could have used in this film. That is, I mean, learning how to dodge... It's very important in martial arts. Crucial. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna concur with you, except my half is I'm just turning around. I didn't make a, f- a, full, a full circle All right, right, on right. a second try. Okay, so you just sort of did a half-hearted hop. Yeah, I, I just don't have, I just don't have the air. Mm, you, know? mm. you, should, uh, you should adopt Jack's fighting style for the, the next time you try it. I think so, too. <laughs> I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to try drinking heavily until I see you again, and then... And then you're going to... We'll, we'll find out. You're going to throw up on my shoes and punch me in the dick? <laughs> yeah, that exactly. Sounds, that sounds like a good reunion. Yeah, you could catch us on Twitter, Facebook. On Twitter, we're at Stay Scary. On Facebook, you can also search at Stay Scary. Uh, that's, that's where we is. We're very yeah. open to interaction. Yes. A little bit later, maybe next month, uh, our website will be online at uh, canusradio.com. So you can check that out next month. Nice. You got that dot .com. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what I end we'll up with. Maybe, maybe it's canusradio.net. Or .org or .pod. I don't know. C-H? No. No, no, no. No. I don't want it. Yeah, please reach out if there's anything you want us to watch, if there's uh, anything you want us to address, or if you want to tell us to do anything, uh, hit us up. If you do contact us, you reach out, you rate us on uh, iTunes or whatever, we will give you a shout out. We will mention your name on this podcast and will be eternalized in the radio wave. Forever. For literal, for literally forever, because... All of the internet gets beamed into space the whole time, and it's just going. So, maybe in six billion years, someone will hear your name on our show and not have the oral capability to uh, actually interpret what we're saying. Yeah. So, as always, you stay scary. I don't want your franchise ghosts. All right. That's one spooky stuff. (laughs) All right. Well done. Good one for... uh... Maybe you're in the upper